that was the mindset we went back to that, hey, that's quit looking down the road what people might be saying, this, that. You know, everybody starts talking about NCAA tournament, doing this, doing that. You don't think those things. You just do your work day in and day out, and at the end, if you're good enough, it's going to happen. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, fourth meal time, old man winter time, NCAA tournament time, not quite yet time, facing Conzo Martin again time, all right, all right time, whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Govals 24-7 podcast, Flash Rucker coming to you here from Fort Rucker Studio on a snowy snowy evening in knoxville tennessee recording this right now on a tuesday evening gonna release this on a wednesday morning got a special edition podcast for y'all this week got a special guest grant ramey and i just recently sat down with tennessee basketball coach rick barnes talk about the 21st ranked vols it's Kind of, sort of, the midseason mark of the season. Tennessee, twelve and four overall, three and two in SEC play. Going into a big, big week this week with a couple of big road games. First off on Wednesday night, tonight, I guess, the night that we're releasing this podcast. Grant Ramey and I will be in Columbia, Missouri, seeing Tennessee face the Conzo Martin coached Missouri Tigers. Former Tennessee coach Conzo Martin. Be nice to catch up with old man Zoe there. See how those old spaghetti linguine knees are doing. See if he's still running his several miles a day on those angel hair pasta knees. Then drive back across the country because, yes, Ramey and I are Griswold family style having to make this trip via car, which is, whew, that's going to be a haul. Last time we went to that part of the country, though, Butch Jones got fired. So maybe that's a good omen for Tennessee fans. When we head over to that part of the country, Bad things, but then good things happen for the Vols. And then after that, we'll get back to Knoxville for about, oh, a day, and then we'll head over to Columbia, South Carolina over the weekend. Saturday night, Tennessee faces Frank Martin and his South Carolina Gamecocks, who went to the Final Four last season. Big, big week for the Vols. And since it's about the midway mark of the season, we sat down to speak with Tennessee basketball coach Rick Barnes uh, we had a good conversation. It's you, you rarely ever have a bad conversation with uh, Senator, Congressman, Deacon Rick Barnes. Always some interesting stuff going on there. Uh, spoke about his rebuilding of the Tennessee basketball program, where he and his staff and the players have gotten this thing back to this point where the Vols are, are very competitive. So lots to talk about there. Talk about the, the way that he's rebuilt this roster. A lot of the other SEC teams, and the SEC's gotten a lot better this season, a lot better. One of the one of the higher-ranked conferences across all those metrics uh, that measure those type of conference power rankings, they've had a pretty good year in the SEC. It looks like all those years of saying they're going to make men's basketball a more of a priority and they're going to fix it, looks like all that's finally coming to fruition, uh, which is good stuff for the SEC. And Rick Barnes and his team have, have rebuilt theirs a little bit differently. A lot of these teams across the SEC – that have rebuilt some things. They've they've brought in some splash recruits, some some five star types or high four star types, and and really kind of changed it with a couple of players. Whereas Barnes and his staff have kind of built it foundationally, uh, a, a lot different. They've uh, 
uh, brought in a lot of players under the radar guys, guys who were kind of hard workers, guys who were overlooked in the recruiting process. And they've started building this thing uh, back with those guys. And now uh, Barnes, I think, is going to start recruiting more of those splashy type guys. But he's got his foundation in place, and he talked about uh, rebuilding this thing the right way with his foundation players. Uh, He spoke about recently coaching in his 1,000th career game, uh, which was interesting, told some good old stories like he tends to do when you bring up how old he is. Uh, Got some. Now, there's no more sitting naked under a house in Hickory, North Carolina like there was in the last time we had Rick Barnes as a special guest on the podcast. So no nudity underneath the front porch of a house in Hickory, North Carolina this time. But uh, some good stories about uh, how long he's been in the business and, and some of the people he's come across and how blessed he's felt to, to be able to cover things or, or coach things, I guess, for, for this long. He was one of the young guys in the business when it started, and now he's one of the older guys. So uh, we spoke a little bit about that. We spoke about sort of the strengths and weaknesses of this Tennessee team, some surprises uh, on this Tennessee team, some things that need to get better moving forward. So we covered a lot of things in here. And and what I thought was a really fascinating uh, story about P.J. Tucker, a great, great player under Barnes at Texas. And uh, Rick Barnes talking about how P.J. Tucker texted him after a game saying that he really liked Grant Williams. And then Barnes said, well, uh, P.J., you're the reason I recruited a guy like him because he saw a lot of the same characteristics that that P.J. Tucker had in his game. So lots of interesting stuff here. We'll get to all of it. And now that uh, y'all have had to hear me talk for an unfortunately long period of time, we're going to get to – uh, a better conversation here, one with uh, Grant Ramey and myself and Tennessee basketball coach Rick Barnes. Tennessee basketball coach Rick Barnes joining us here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast with Wes Rucker and, and Grant Ramey. Well, Rick, it, it looks like it's it's always hard to reflect on a season that's still ongoing. This is always a day-to-day or, or game-to-game, week-to-week business, but at sort of the midway mark, where is this team compared to where you thought it could be? Are things okay? Are they better? What, where do you think? Well, I don't. I don't know about to say they're better or worse. And uh, the fact is, we we thought when the season started that if we would work hard, uh, establish somewhat of an identity on both uh, sides of the court, we could uh, have a good basketball team. And we've had some games where we've been terrific. Other games we haven't played uh, as well as we want to, and still won some games. Uh, we've lost some games where we uh, didn't perform the way we needed to. But it's a long way to go, and I think the key is right now is that we've got to get better. And uh, as I think most teams in the country have to do, we've shown some signs. Uh, but it's not just our main players. You're talking about everybody from top to bottom that we've got to get better. What, what has surprised you, if it's good surprise or bad surprise, or if anything? Well, again, um, I, I think probably uh, – I'm not sure I'm surprised by any anybody. I, I think I would probably say going into the season – you know, uh, two years ago or a year ago when we were in Maui when we lost those close games early to Oregon and uh, uh, Wisconsin would be could we get over the hump in in the Bahamas because mm-hmm. we were going to be there in the field and we needed to win some of those games, which we did. And then we obviously knew that we needed to uh, go to Wake Forest. Could we win those type games, Georgia Tech? And we were able to do that. Uh, we've dropped some games at home because of offensive rebounds, which is disappointing. But the fact is we were beaten by teams that came in and, and beat us in that area. But uh, overall, I'm not sure I'm surprised by anything other than the fact that, uh, you know, I, I just want to see us 
continue to get better, and I think we have the ability to get better. You know, when you go into a, a conference play, you know, things have been going, you know, I think from the outside looking in, a lot of people would say it went better than a lot of people thought it might go for non-conference season, unless people outside the program anyway. And then you start conference play and go drop too quickly there. What, what's the mindset there? How much concern is there? Or are you still seeing the big picture and, and thinking it's going to be all right? No, I think I think you see it's going to be all right. But I think the players, uh, when we started out 0-2 and, and, and we uh, first game, I think, at Arkansas really – was a tough loss because, you know, we played well for the most part. You know, Grant Williams got in foul trouble, didn't get to play in the overtime. and uh, But then we came home and I think thinking, okay, we're at home, things will be fine. And Auburn came in and just got after us on the boards and beat us. And they've proven they're, a, you know, obviously a, a, a tremendous basketball team where they're playing right now. But the point at that time of the year was this is a – you can't be looking down the road how many games you're going to win. If you do your work every day, you're going to win the games that you should win. And that was the mindset we went back to that, hey, let's quit looking down the road what people might be saying, this, that. You know, everybody starts talking about NCAA tournament, doing this, doing that. You don't think those things. You just do your work day in and day out. And at the end, if you're good enough, it's going to happen. And uh, so I think we, we got back to that. You know, we came home, had a great mindset against Kentucky, Vanderbilt, and then again against A&M. But now we're on the road. Uh, two very difficult games against two physical teams and one team that shoots the ball tremendous, uh, at a tremendous rate uh, and a high percentage from outside. And then we know a team that's as physical as anybody that will play all year. How do you keep a young team, how do you get that, them to buy into that mindset in a, in a kind of an instant gratification society where there's brackets everywhere and rankings and all that stuff? How do you get them to forget about that when, when – You've been there and done that before they haven't. Well, I think that's a great point, and I think the fact is, as much as we try to talk about it, I do think they get caught up in it. I think that there's always a buzz, and, uh, you know, I go back to the North Carolina game. It was a big buzz with them coming in here, and, you know, we're being ranked for the first time, I guess, in a couple of years, and and these guys, for this group, they've never been ranked. They've never seen the buzz uh, that's being created. And, and, the, and you do worry about it. You, it's a concern that uh, you, you address it, but still you're not with them 24 hours a day where they're on social media. They can read whatever they want to read, and they want to find something. They can find somebody who's saying something really good about them. But the fact is they come back to practice, and uh, we're still not where we have to be uh, as, as a team in terms of every guy. You, know, we, you go back and look at our team. Pretty much three guys this year have been pretty consistent for us. We need, at this point in time, we should have seven guys, eight guys that we know what we're going to get every night, and we still haven't gotten that. You know, you talk about the SEC and how things are going to be in this league, and I remember there was just a couple years, it seemed like a few years in a row they'd be at those SEC spring meetings and you'd hear the athletic directors and, and the commissioner come out and say, you know, basketball is going to become a priority again in this league. It's going to get fixed. And now looking at this year, it might finally have gotten to a point where you can say it is fixed. Texas A&M is, has dropped five in a row to open league play, and it's still ranked, I think, 29th in the Ken Palm rankings. You know, it, it, what, what did this league do or what did you see in this league that made you feel like it was serious about getting back to this point? Well, I think a couple things. I think one, uh, Commissioner Sankey decided that uh, you look around and uh, and he made the, you know, you know, you look at our league and, and he, we've got the best athletic league in the country. But what wasn't performing up to where it should be was basketball. And you got to ask the question, why was it? There's a lot of things that went into that. Poor non-league scheduling, uh, non-conference scheduling, uh, not doing well in the preseason, uh, 
a lot of different things. I think with his uh, addition of Mike Trangizi, uh, Dan Lieberovich coming in, Mark Whitehead uh, as uh, in charge of officiating, made an unbelievable difference in our league. And then, the, and he spoke very bluntly to the coaches, "Hey, you got to win basketball games. You're going to have to go out early in the season. You're going to have to schedule some games." That was the one thing Mike Trangizi talked about being on the NCAA committee. Hey. There's no secret to this. You know, you can't – winning 20 games against nobody means nothing today. And so that point, I think, was well taken. You go back and look, certainly the best non-league record uh, in, from a co uh, competition, winning games and all that, this, this year has been the best. Then you come into league play with more uh, teams winning. And I still think – you mentioned Texas A&M. I think they're a team that will win eight, nine conference games, maybe ten. I, I just think they're a the kind of team that will get that going. But uh, – you know, everybody's talking about the other leagues being the best league. I think this is a year we should be talking about having nine teams in the league uh, because of what we've done in the non-league. I'm, so, I'm sorry, in the NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. We should be talking about that because our league's as good as any league in the country, and there are no easy games, and we all know that. And um, so we've, we've done it. Now we've got to go out and uh, finish this regular season competitive as, as we are right now as a league and then get into postseason play and play well again. And then uh, eventually everybody's going to sit down and start marking in, you know, how many teams does the ACC going to get before the season starts? Big Ten, they should be talking about on a bad year, the SEC is going to get six, year, six teams in. It feels like the SEC could get six or more teams in and, and almost none of them be higher than a four seed because it's such a kind of a balanced league top to bottom. It's not uh, a top-heavy league with a bunch of bubble teams trying to get in. Is it better for your your team specifically to have a league where it's night in and night out going to be a dogfight, or a or a top-heavy team where you're trying to pick up wins along the way? Well, that, that's a, that's a great point, a great question. But you know what? Uh, I don't have a choice in that because we're in a league where it's a dogfight every night. And but you look at the ACC standings right now; it's the same thing. And you look at uh, I, I think the Big Tens. There's there's some separation in there, but uh, I'm not sure where uh, the Big East would be or, or uh, the Pac-12, whatever it is. I, I don't know, but uh, you're right about the seedings, and, and again, that's what the NCAA tournament's about, you know, matchups and seedings, but the fact is you got to try to get there, but like you just mentioned, uh, we look like we're a team that's going to get six. I think we look like a league is going to get nine, but I think that perception out there, again, is, I mean, if I ask you right now how many the ACC is going to get, what would you say? Six, seven. Yeah, and if you, how many would um, what other league? Twelve. The big Big Twelve might get a bunch. So why? I mean, it's a reputation. Perception. Yeah, perception. You know, and uh, I mean, I've got a assistant coach that was here and out at Texas Tech, and they're ranked five, fifth in the country right now, and he's told me he doesn't think the league's as good as it has been. But again, it goes back to perception, and uh, so, uh, but it, you just got to play. You just got to keep playing, and I'm sure people are gonna put a lot on the. Uh, the challenge again this year, which seemed like last year, that was a point where people started talking a little bit more about our league, I think. Uh, but we could talk about the challenge. I think that should be changed where the teams to be in it should be picked two weeks before because I think they'd get to match up the way they should be and as opposed to the way they set it right now. But I just know this league is, a, is as good a league as I've been in, and um, this year especially. The last couple years, I thought last year, and I said it, and you guys know it, it was a lot better league than the perception was at the time, and it's much better this year. Yeah, when you look at, at how many of the, the teams in the league have, you know, the programs have improved in the past two, three years, uh, there seems to be, in a lot of those cases, 
there were a lot of kind of impact, those five-star freshman types that came in there and, and jumped in and, and sort of took it to another level. And you all have built it kind of more of an old-school way. It seems like that's – you talk about perception, that's perception anyway. When you got to Tennessee, was that your plan to get these foundation guys in here and start this whole thing with those guys, or is that, is that just the way it worked out? No, that you, know, uh, the, you said it was perception. That's what we did. We wanted to build a program, and we came in now from the very beginning. We've tried to recruit the best players in the country. We've, we've made the best players tell us no. And uh, or that they weren't interested in. But with that said, we want to. We knew we were going to have to build the program and really get a solid foundation. And we're at a point now where we are still trying to recruit the very best players in the country. And we think that right now we're probably more attractive than we were two years ago and even maybe a year ago. But it all depends on how we continue to play. But we are able to get in line with much more of the the top-tier players, and um, that's what we, we had hoped to do. But we're always going to still evaluate to our standard and not what um, other people put stars on guys. We think that we know what we're looking for in our players, but, but we also know that talent is the common denominator, and we're going to try to go get the best and most talented players that we can get. You, you guys obviously saw something different in Grant Williams that other Power 5 schools didn't see because he didn't have a ton of attention uh, when he was being recruited has it surprised you at all he's been as productive as he has? Because, I mean, maybe last year he snuck up on some people. He's not sneaking up on anybody this year, and he's still putting up numbers. Not really. I got a text after the Vanderbilt game from P.J. Tucker, and he said uh, to me, he said, uh, P.J. said, Coach, I like that Williams kid. And I said, well, we recruited him because of you. And that's really the reason. When I saw him for the first time, he reminded me of P.J. Tucker. No one recruited P.J. Tucker at a high level in the state of North Carolina. And he came and um, was not in shape very much like Grant, uh, but showed the fact that he knew what he was doing. And, and uh, we feel with our individual improvement program that we can get guys to do it if they buy in. And P.J. Tucker bought in, became player of the year in the Big 12. Grant bought in, and he still has work to do. Just like Grant, it took uh, P.J. three years to get where he wanted to go before he left to the, for the NBA. But, uh, no, I think what Grant's doing as a coaching staff, we felt that he could do that. Uh, this year we haven't seen the John Fulkerson that we recruited and saw a year ago, and we need him to do that. You know, we're waiting on that. And uh, I know he went through a pretty tough time with his injury, but we need him. And he was a guy that was recruited probably higher than Grant. But, uh, but no, I don't think anything that Grant has done, uh, again, I, I, in terms of points, I don't think I go into, into a year thinking this guy can score 37, 38 points, anything like that. But in terms of what he has shown us he can do on the court, around the basket, uh, both ends, uh, we're not surprised by that. Now, I think that there's been a lot of, I guess, individual things we could ask about, but the most recent thing would probably be Jalen Johnson stepping into the rotation, at least for that one game and, and getting some minutes. Was that – I know you've said before that, that Jalen Johnson just sort of earned those minutes, but whether it was him or, or Eves or whoever it was, did you all also need just a, some more length there on the wing, or is that just something that, that hey, Jalen just earned the minutes? No, again, I would say what you did say about we do need length at times. There was no doubt about that. But, Jalen, this time of year you've got to be really keen and watch your players and make sure the guys that aren't playing uh, much, which you look at it, I mean, our guards are pretty much 23, 24, 25 minutes in there, but they're getting complacent. And uh, I just feel like uh, Jalen and our coaches felt in practice, you know, he started doing the things that we wanted him to do. And, and – um, and we felt like we were going to give him a chance. We think Eve is going to help us. There's no doubt we think, but, but we think he's got to figure it out, you know. And it's a little bit more difficult with him understanding uh, the stuff that we need to do on the fly. 
but uh, Jalen earned the minutes. But also, I think our players need to understand that those minutes are valuable. And uh, what he basically did was take Chris Darrington's minutes. And the yeah. fact is, will Chris Darrington fight back? And by you get that competition within the team, that's when I think you're going to continue to get better, especially throughout the season right now. How pleased are you with Admiral's growth from the time you got here until today? It seems like he's gone on, undergone the most change almost as anybody from I think, day one. I, and I really think, and I hopefully that uh, really after the uh, uh, what game was it? Uh, I think it was the Arkansas game, uh, and then we came back and he wasn't uh, very good in the uh, Auburn game. But after that, he's played probably three of his best games all around games. Certainly his best game. That he's played since he's been here was against Kentucky. Then, he, but he's fo followed it up with two games where he's done a lot of the, the things that he did earlier. You know, he's not just relying on shooting the three. You know, he's going inside, making a great effort to get to the offensive boards. But his biggest commitment that he's made in the last three games is he's been much better defensively, especially guarding the ball. And we need him to do that if he's going to stay on the perimeter. In terms of, I know Grant alluded to this a little bit earlier, but you know, getting to this point of the season, y'all have been in contention for the tournament the past couple of years, and injuries happened and things didn't go the right way. But you know, I guess the fact is these guys haven't been in this situation before. How, do you try to just take things day by day with them and to to not let them see the big picture, or how do you how do you make sure that that these guys who have never been in these these kinds of games in January, February, March that that, that means so much? How do you get them to 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 not get lost in the moment there. Well, that's it. I mean, every day. That's what we talk about. It's, it's that's the whole uh, question is going to come down to how will we uh, respond and not react. And I think there's a difference in those two. I think if you react, you get emotional. You start thinking the what ifs. You know, thinking what's going to happen two weeks from now, three weeks from now, a month from now, whatever. You can't think like that. You got to go today. You got to respond after a, a lot. If you lose a tough game, you know, how do you respond to it? And you, you go back, you look at it, then you let it go, you get on to the next one. So there's no doubt that it's something that we talk about. But the fact is uh, we've played enough games now, and they understand it every they, – they have to understand that every night's going to be a dogfight, and it's still a long way to go. And the fact is when it's not going our way, can we respond in the right way throughout the game? And when the game's over with, win or lose, can we respond the right way? Well, last thing, I guess, here before we let you go, Rick, I know we, we talked about this a little bit going into the, the most recent game, but you have reached the, the 1,000 game mark as a coach. And, and how what does that number mean to you? Uh, you know, it just seems like in this business where it's such a tough business for so many guys and, and to even get a head coaching job, you know, let alone to, to be able to, to get there and stay there for 1,000 games, what does that number mean to you? Well, again, I had not really thought a lot about it until I didn't even know about it until I was asked right before it happened, uh, before the uh, A&M game. But it means that uh, I've been blessed. Uh, I have worked for some great universities. I've had great coaches and great players, uh, terrific players around me and uh, great support people. And uh, that's what it gets down to. And I, I still love what I do. But uh, I would not have been able to stay in this business that long without just having – you know, great bosses, great great assistance with me and, and players and uh, support people because th this really is a team thing. It really is. And I go back to the players we get, the way the, how hard the assistant coaches work to recruit them. And uh, so I've been – God's looked out for me that way with uh, just bringing great people into my life that I'm thankful for. And But um, other than that, 
you know, I just hope that uh, I still love doing it. I, I do. I still, you know, look forward to practice, watching practice tape, coming out and see if we can make this group of guys better. And, and I hope we can do that with this group. You forgot the old part. You just made your old. Yeah, I am old. Yeah, I am old. Uh, uh, you know, is uh, I got a, a really a nice text from Bruce Pearl actually after, and he he said to me, he said, "I remember when you were one of the um, young coaches at uh, Clemson and Providence, and uh, now you're one of the older guys." You know, <laughs> he actually gave me a compliment. He said, "One of the respected, real respected guys." And I appreciate that, that from Bruce. But uh, it's kind of the you know I've I've looked around, I've watched. Uh, and, and what I've learned a lot, you know, I've watched guys come and go. You know, I've had a chance to go coach against some of the greatest coaches that uh, have coached this game, and Dean Smith and Bobby Knight, uh, Mike Szczeski. And I've watched those guys uh, go from being young coaches too to, you know, being retired and but making a great impact. And I just hope when our time is up that we can say that we we left it better than we found it. I meant to text you and say I, I remembered your George Mason days, but I hadn't been born yet. So yeah, that's what I told my team. It, it, wow. that's, that's really what's amazing. Uh, when Coach Former gave me that ball after the game for that 1,000th game, I looked at those guys, and I didn't even realize that my strength coach, Garrett Maidenwall, hadn't been born either, but those guys weren't even born. when. Uh, and then someone asked me last night about uh, – text me, said, do you remember your first game? I do, and I remember uh, we were at playing Seton Hall in the preseason NIT at Rutgers, and John Feinstein was doing a book, one of his books, A Year Inside of College Basketball. And I remember before, before the game, I asked him, I said, are you going to sit on our bench? He said, no, I'm going to sit on P.J. Carlissimo's bench. But right before the game started, he came down and said, I'm going to have to sit on your bench. After the game, I found out that while he was on their bench, Dave Gavitt, the Big East commissioner, came mm-hmm. down and said, you can't sit on this bench. He said, John said to Dave, there's not a rule. And Dave turned to 360 and said, I just made one. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, that game, there's a lot of things that happened after that game, too. But, uh, uh, yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday. Amp Davis, my point guard, didn't get to play in that game. And and my son, actually, when he was in town a, a week ago, said, well, what were you like back then? I said, we'll call Amp Davis and let him tell you. And Amp said to him, he said, Nick, when you were a little boy, Nick as was at the time was one, he said, we would sit in the locker room and say, boy, we feel sorry for that kid. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I, I do remember that game. Grant, for Grant mentioned after one of the games, that game where you got a technical, he said, I remember uh, Coach Barnes going up against uh, Dean Smith against an ACC tournament. And then he said, well, I hadn't been born yet, but I, I yeah. went back and looked it up. <laughs> yeah. I went back and saw it on the Internet. Yeah. Well, thanks for your time today, Rick, and maybe we'll, maybe we'll see a 1,000 more games. All right, thanks. Appreciate you guys. That was Tennessee basketball coach Rick Barnes sitting down with esteemed colleague Grant Ramey and I over there at Pratt Pavilion, Tennessee's basketball practice facility, uh, before the 21st ranked Vols went on the road to face Missouri, where the Vols will play Conzo Martin and his Tigers on Wednesday night uh, before flying back over to Knoxville, and then one day later heading over to South Carolina to face Frank Martin and his Gamecocks over there in Colonial Life Arena. Pretty sure that's still what it's called. It might be. I think it is. A good journalist would know that, but I'm pretty sure – I'm pretty sure that's still what it's called. So we certainly want to thank Rick Barnes for joining us on the program, taking time out of his busy schedule to do that. Also would like to thank all y'all for listening. You know, this isn't a podcast without listeners, without y'all out there listening to us. So we want to thank y'all for doing that. Grant Ramey and I will be on the road a lot this week. So I'll be posting a lot from the uh, from the mobile browser there on Go Vols 24-7. But we'll have all kinds of stuff going on, lots of coverage. 
Uh, obviously, Tennessee basketball, as it's heading toward, uh, you know, it's kind of steamrolling toward the possibility of postseason play and maybe a deep run in the postseason. We'll see. Uh, obviously, obviously, a huge, huge couple of weeks for Jeremy Pruitt and his Tennessee football program. First year coach. Jeremy Pruitt, I should say, in his Tennessee football program. Uh, they're trying to, to finish up a strong recruiting class, uh, a recruiting class that's pretty decent right now, but one that they're trying to make a lot stronger over the next couple of weeks, and we'll certainly hear a lot from Ryan Callahan and Danny Parker and Patrick Brown on all of that stuff, too. So uh, plenty of team coverage, too. I believe Tennessee's hired a, a wide receivers coach to fill out maybe that, that offensive coaching staff and perhaps the overall coaching staff there under Pruitt. So we'll have more on that. We'll have another podcast coming to you Friday morning, as always. And uh, until then, guys, stay safe. I know it's it's snowing out there. It's It's been a been kind of a crummy, crummy couple of weather days. Uh, the, the ladies over there, up there in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, too, for a, a work conference. So she's had to drive through all that. Now, Ramey and I will drive through all of that. So everyone be careful on the roads out there. Remember, if you don't have to get out there, don't, because this is the south, and uh, we don't we don't really do a lot of snow. We get some here in Knoxville. This isn't like Atlanta where it becomes the walking dead every time it snows a little bit. But still, but still. We're not experts at driving in this stuff. So everybody be careful out there. Ramey and I will be careful heading over there to Columbia, Missouri, maybe getting some Shakespeare's pizza, and then we will be back for you all later in the week. See you all.